millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we're into extra time. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. Well, summer's officially arrived and the international cricket scene's underway, which means the All Blacks international programme has finally come to an end. Ten wins, two losses and a draw. A successful year, but hardly a stellar one. So what have we learnt about the All Blacks in 2017? The man with all the answers is rugby reporter Joe Porter. Joe, um, what's your verdict on, on the way 2017 unfolded? I think successful but not stellar is probably an apt description. Uh, Erratic, error-riddled at times, um, but ultimately successful. I mean, they won the rugby championship, defended their title with two games to spare. Some of that maybe to to do with a bit of a a lack of uh, the quality of opposition more than other things. However, um, the Lions series, another good result from the All Blacks. They probably should have won that series, but a red card to Sonny Bill Williams in the second game changed it. And a drawn series... Not too bad considering all the injuries they've had this year. They've had eight to nine top-line players out of action at various times. They've had others in the way with personal issues and some on sabbaticals taking breaks. They've had concussions and injuries to some key players and they've blooded a lot of, of guys that haven't been in the All Blacks environment before. So I would think overall you'd be fairly happy with the results. If it was going into a World Cup year next year, I would definitely be concerned because there's some real areas of worry and certain... Um, areas on the field some positions there's an obvious lack of depth as compared to others um, and it's been an interesting year for some of the more senior guys Jerome Kynor now looks to have been usurped by Liam Squire missing a lot of the All Black season due to personal issues didn't help but Squire's really come on in leaps and bounds and may have overtaken him there the Savia brothers have gone backwards Julian so much so that he's out of the team now uh, winger Julian Savia 46 tests and 50, uh, 46 tries and 52 tests can't find his way into the All Blacks and Adi Savia has been overtaken by sort of the workman Matt Todd from the Crusaders who has uh, usurped them as the bench open side for the All Blacks behind Sam Kane so uh, Savia has some things to work on as well uh, Rico Yuani, a breakthrough year for him, of course, taking Julian Savia's place on the wing and winning the World Rugby Player of the Year breakthrough player. So some, some fairly positive sides for Hanson and the All Blacks, but they've, I guess you would consider this year they've implemented a new game plan, blooded a whole lot of new players, and trying to change things up a bit. Next year, they'll have to put the polish on it to go into the 2019 World Cup with a real shot of defending the title for the third time. Uh, like you mentioned, I suppose it's tough in a way, isn't it, to maybe just get quite a handle given mm. so many top players or leading players were, were out. On the face of it, you might have thought that the All Blacks have sort of remained a bit static, yes. wouldn't you? But, I mean, like you say, the, the blood of the new players also found a lack of depth in some, some areas. So do, do you feel as though they've gone forward or backwards or, or remained static? Yeah, like you say, it's, it, it, they do seem like they've treaded water a little this year because they haven't, in all 13 tests, there wasn't a single complete performance, They're not even one. Perhaps their best game was the first game against the Lions, maybe, mm. at the very start of the year, So, and perhaps against Wales at the end. Uh, not No complete performances. They had some great starts to tests and then faded in the second half against Wales. They were dominated in the first half 
position and, and territory-wise and then came back in the second. So we have sort of seen, they've moved away from that traditional All Blacks game of controlling the tempo, controlling the pace, and then in the last 20 minutes pushing away with a win. They've struggled to maintain their accuracy at times. Some of that has to do with the fact that after the Lions series, Hanson and co. decided to implement a slightly changed game plan to deal with the rush defences they expected to come their way after the Lions had exposed a flaw in the All Blacks attacking system that that the rush defence could shut them down. So they did have to tweak some things, and, and Hanson will be happy that the young players in the squad embraced that, tried their best, and at times it didn't come off and it looked ugly, it wasn't clinical, there was a lot of errors, but they have tried to move the game forward. They're slowly getting better. If it's they're not frontline guys putting this game plan into place and they're doing pretty well, I'd say they'd be fairly happy with the overall year considering they've tried to move the game plan forward. It hasn't quite come off, but it looks like they're getting better at it and hopefully next year they'll be able to put those finishing touches on it and you'll see them go back to a more complete performance with their top side. Bowden Barrett, World Player of the Year. Um, is he a first five, though, that is in complete control of the game? Can he play it? I mean, he's undoubtedly... Um, individually, um, the skills, you know, the streets ahead of anyone else. But when it comes to, I suppose, that general's role as a first five, your thoughts there? Yep. I mean, he probably still is the best first five in the world at the moment. I, I, I suppose Owen Farrell from the Lions in England would be pushing him and a few other players. I... I agree that he doesn't. He, I don't think he's reached the level of Dan Carter in terms of his generalship in, on the field of play. He's a fantastic front football player. We all know his ability in broken play, his speed. Um, he's got the quirky abilities, the cross kicks, the behind the pack passes. But in terms of a traditional first five, his goal kicking can be shaky at times. Come World Cup year, you don't want that to be an issue. There's a few tests this year, including one against the Lions, that we should have won had he kicked his goals. Uh, also just in terms of controlling a game from the outset if you have a forward pack that's going backwards like they were against the Lions at times where the ball's incredibly slow from the breakdown and you've got a team that's trying to struggle you strangle you rather with that rush defence and slow play then I feel that he can go missing a little bit whereas Dan Carter would always grab the game by the scruff of the neck start to run at the line if the defence was coming up too fast his kicking game was very accurate around the field he could goal kick from anywhere so they knew that if anything a penalty inside their own half was points and I just don't think Bowden Barrett is on that level just yet. I mean, I would love to see Bowden Barrett play full-back and perhaps see someone else get a chance at first five for more, more often, but the All Blacks don't seem to see it that way. And, yeah, I, I do have my reservations about him. He is, you know, one of the best players in the world. There's no doubt about that. He's incredibly exciting. But I'm not sure if his skill set is necessarily matched to being the perfect first five. 2018, I suppose people are going to look ahead and say sort of England is that big test at the end of the year. What, what about just 2018 generally? What, what are you looking forward to? Well, I think the All Blacks will need to come out from the start of the season and make a statement. They'll need to be clinical and, I guess, compelling in what they do. They'll need to have a clear and concise game plan and stick to it and make sure that they are accurate with everything they do. Far too many errors this year and and far too many penalties given away. The ill-discipline too. There was a lot of yellow cards for the All Blacks this year. They'll need to stamp that out. I just think they'll be looking to settle on on a starting lineup, make sure their best guys are in. They've blooded enough now that if they have those, you know, injury breakdowns that often come during a World Cup. They should have people that can come in and help. I just want them to see them be more clinical. I don't want to see this up and down erratic performance where they score two tries in the first 10 minutes, then go missing for the rest of the half, or struggle to maintain ascendancy throughout the game and then strangle a win in the last minutes against teams like Scotland. So, I th- yeah, I just want to see more accuracy, more convincing 80-minute performances. The coaches to stick on a starting lineup and basically for them just to be a bit more compelling and controlling and comprehensive in their ones. Thanks Joe, that's Joe Porter, our rugby reporter.
The Kiwi Ferns are just one win away from reclaiming the Women's Rugby League World Cup, but standing in their way, of course, are defending champions Australia, who head into the finalist favourite, despite New Zealand being the number one side in the world. The Kiwi Ferns veteran Honey Hirami has been a standout for the unbeaten New Zealand side so far at this tournament. She's run in 11 tries in total. Hirami has been part of three World Cup campaigns, including New Zealand's win over Australia in the 2008 final at Brisbane, the same venue for this weekend's match. Earlier this week, Matt Chatterton spoke to Honey Hirami just after she'd visited Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane for the first time since that win. Fittingly enough, I sort of walked out of the tunnel alongside uh, Luisa Aviki, who was our captain at the time, and Laura Mariu, who was our, is our captain for this World Cup. And, um, you know, to walk out with those three, and we sort of all looked at each other like, oh, this was the last time we were here, we won this World Cup. And it was, yeah, it was pretty surreal. It was, it was, had a little moment. It was pretty cool. Does that give you a mental edge at all, knowing that you've you've because it was Australia you bet there, wasn't it? So does it give you you know any sort of memory? You know, I know I've beaten them here. I know I can do it again, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I suppose so. Um, you know, our team is a different team now. We have you know a different culture and a new sort of young and talented girls coming through. Um, but I suppose it's always nice to hold that memory, you know, in the back of our minds. You know, like. Um, we've been here before. We know how to get the job done, and we've done it on this on at, at the stadium against the same team. So yeah, it's, it's nice to have us that little edge. Indeed, indeed. Now, in no way am I calling you old here, but you have played in a lot of final, a lot of World Cups, a lot of World Cups. Your experience is invaluable, really, to the rest of the team. What, what sort of do you say, or you and Laura, are the you know the the veterans of the team? What do you say to uh, the young ones that are about to play in their first final? Is it? Is, do you have any words of advice, any wisdom that you can share with them? Oh, to be honest, you know, a lot of them are are nervous. Um, for me, it's about just getting them to acknowledge those emotions and um, and accept them, but embrace them. Embrace the pressure when you're out there and you know that pressure's coming. Embrace it. Don't don't shy away from it. Um, you know, feel, feel what you're feeling, but then be ready for it and, and attack it with that, you know, true Kiwi kind of mongrel that we have. Um, and just play, you know, we're looking at just playing minute by minute. We're not trying to play the full 80 in our heads. Um, throughout while we're out there, it's just minute by minute, make each minute count, and that's where you just work on your patience and, and taking your time and building into it, really. Finally, the uh, million dollar question who's going to win, do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really, really um, hopeful and confident that, uh, you know, Kiwi Friends can bring home our would it be fourth World Cup. Now, England are plotting their revenge after crumbling to a 10-wicket loss in the opening Ashes cricket test, and in the thick of it is former Black Caps bowler Shane Bond. Bond has joined the England side as bowling coach on a two-test contract. He was unable to be part of the entire Ashes campaign due to his coaching commitments with Australian T20 side the Brisbane Heat. The second test in Adelaide is a day-night affair, and that starts on Saturday. It'll be using the pink ball, of course, and conditions are expected to favour the English bowling attack, giving the tourists a prime opportunity to play their way back into the five-game series. Bond told me that he's relishing his time in the Ashes environment, working with the likes of James Anderson and Stuart Broad. The English do play the game slightly different to the way we play in Australia um, and New Zealand. They have pitches that 
that um, move around. And so just hitting the top of offers, if you can do that and consistent, that's what English bowlers do. They're very consistent. And often that can be enough. In Australia, where the wickets are flatter, sometimes you have to offer up different fields, different variations. The way we play is just different to the way they play in England. So you, you offer those insights, and then you try and break down, because there's enough information about there about guys like Stu and Jimmy, you can break their games down um, by patches of the games, by the lengths they bowl, to show them, look, if you, have you considered doing this, or have you thought about these fields that are going to be successful against this particular player? So... You know, those guys have been receptive of that. I think as a player you are when the information's relevant to you. Has your role as a bowling coach given you even greater pleasure than you might anticipated? Or, or it's a role that has, has sort of opened up the, the world to you in a, in a sense? Perhaps something you may not necessarily have seen yourself doing when you were even as a player? Yeah, that, that's probably fair. I think once, once I got towards the end of my playing career, I always, I, I was a cricket watcher. It's, I have to, I always watch the game. I found it difficult not to watch the game. I had to watch it, and I was always thinking about the way that the game could be played different, or what should have been done tactically. So I, I think my brain or the way I operate was always set up from a to, to coach because I just liked it, and I liked, you know, I like helping. I like being around people. So it was a natural fit. And then once I've got into it, you know, I always had ideas about how I wanted to do it, and you just learn more and more and. And I think, you know, you just meet more people and great people and it's it's always fun when you're doing that. And different environments you know, offer a different senses of humour and the English are funny. Uh, and I like a I like a laugh, so I've really enjoyed their environment and I think when you combine that where you're helping people, you're in an environment where you're you know, in cricket ninety nine percent of the people are great people, so you're always having a good time. Um, and then you you know you're at the very elite level which is always fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a privileged position to be in, so yeah, you know, I love it. Adelaide and the pink ball obviously provides um, a new set of challenges and perhaps might even suit the England bowling attack more, given that that seems to move around a, a wee bit more under the, the lights, the pink ball. We had a warm-up game four day ago and it was interesting. We we found that as the wicket dried and it looked like it was getting flatter, it actually did more at night and dipped, especially day three. I think we had a, had the CA 11 25 for seven uh, and it was nipping all over the show. And as I said, our bowlers are so accurate. Um, that it made life a misery, misery for them. So uh, I think whatever team wins the toss, um, traditionally in Adelaide you bat, but as soon as the lights come come on, um, the ball just starts to move, and it moved more so as the, as the match moved on. Um, so again, this, these are the sort of test matches. I don't think have gone five days, um, but the games have always been, the couple of games have been here have been very tight because the game can very much um, swing very quickly, especially when the lights come on. So... As you said, with our with our bowlers being very skillful bowlers, being able to move the ball, uh, particularly in the air, um, then it can present. Uh, we think we can present real challenge to Australia. So um, I think everyone thought that when we came to Adelaide, we were going to be especially competitive. We showed in the first test, even though the result was a, a very lopsided win, that we were more than competitive for three days. And so if we put that sort of performance in again here, then, then we'll go pretty close. And the former Black Cap spinner Jeetan Patel says his elevation to the Warwickshire captaincy will give him the opportunity to give something back to the club that he's enjoyed playing with for so many seasons. Patel will captain the county championship on one-day sides, while fellow New Zealander Grant Allett will continue as the T20 captain. The 37-year-old Patel joined Warwickshire in 2009 and has been the overseas player across all formats since 2012. 
Patel spoke to Barry Guy about how he's enjoyed his time in Birmingham and how he can still foot it on the first-class scene. I've been lucky enough to, to keep performing um, and to keep doing, I suppose, what I call my job, um, which I'm lucky enough to have as cricket. So it's, uh, it's one of those things, I think, if, if you've got your ducks in a row there, then you know you can also take on the, the extra job, which is um, certainly what I've done now, and hopefully um, it transpires to more success. Uh, and with all due respect of uh, you know your age and Grant Elliott, who is like thirty eight or something, and he's going to be the T Twenty captain. I mean, what does what does that say about about the game? Oh, I, I mean, I don't think age matters too much. Uh, I mean, as long as you can still do your job and you know rock up and still be a, uh, as close to one hundred percent fit as possible, um, I think any club any club's pretty happy to have experience. You know, it's guys that have been in positions before and. And tough ones are that, and know how to get around it, or sort of manufacture a way. So it's um, for me, it's me. It's about getting, I suppose, twenty five guys in a, in in a line and saying, look, right, boys, no matter what it is, we we have to get over the line here today, and and win win the moments we need to win throughout the season. So um, whether that's in house or or on the park, it's just it's just one of those things where um, I, I don't think age matters. I I think it's a, it's a part of part of cricket and. You know, I suppose in England they they heavily promoted towards um, letting the older boys continue their careers. What is it about English county cricket? I mean, you've been where you are since what two thousand and nine, but New Zealand has a long tradition there. Is is there still something special about it? It's, mate, it's well, it's very special to me. I don't know how other people see it, but um, like I said, it, it's a way to continue your career, can, uh, have longevity in your in your career, but also. Um, Give back to a game that's given you a lot. You know, it's since I've been playing since I was five, which is you know thirty odd years, and and the enjoyment, the success I've had, and the friendships and um, the failures we've made along the way, are certainly career changing. And I think county cricket, as busy as it is, um, as many games as there are, it's uh, it's another challenge in itself. And if when you come out the end of it, you certainly feel satisfied that you've, you've done a, done a good job. And is it, obviously it's it's a big competition, so compared to New Zealand, and it, they have a lot of players there. Um, of course, everyone's looking at the Ashes now, and the England team is 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 county cricket developing English players? Is it? Oh, I, I certainly think so. I think the the county games um, on par with any any competition in the world, uh, uh, especially the white ball. Um, you know, they, they seem to be streets ahead of. Uh, a lot of countries in terms of how they want to play the game, which is which is why it's exciting. You know, they've got so many players looking to find the next little bit, the next little edge on how to win a game. So, um, you know, it's 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 just busy. If I'm being honest, uh, it's really busy. It's constantly changing. There's new players coming in. There's new there's players developing, and and that's why it's so exciting for me to keep going back and and to see the same guys that I know and love and. Um, and enjoy being around, keep getting better. There's Jeetan Patel talking to Barry Guy. The French Open doubles champion Michael Venus will play with a new partner next year after splitting with American Ryan Harrison. The pair won two titles this year, including Roland Garros. Venus will play with South African Raven Klaassen in 2018. Venus told Barry Guy that with Harrison still keen on singles, it was never going to be a long-term relationship. From the beginning, it was never really going to be a, a really long-term thing. Uh, you know, Ryan was kind of helping me out until I could kind of find a consistent doubles partner, you know, that, that I thought would be good to play with. So 
you know, we had some great success earlier on, and, and that's why we continued the rest of the year. But, uh, you know, just going forward, it was tough for him to commit fully for the, for the doubles uh, with how much singles he's playing. So, you know, I had the opportunity to, to play full-time with, with one of the guys who, who I think is a very good doubles player. So, um, you know, it was just kind of the right timing for, um, for me to, to have a go with that and, and let Ryan continue to focus more on singles. So how did uh, linking up with uh, Raven Clarkson come about? Yeah, so, you know, me and Ryan, we had this discussion, uh, you know, at, at the end of uh, London. He said, um, you know, he's never going to leave me hanging without anyone to play with. So he said just... He understood, and he said, "See what's out there, and and what what you can what you can find, and if there's someone who who you think you can do well with and and play well with, then you know go for it. Uh, and if you can't, you know, no big deal. He'll he said he'd keep helping me out at at the bigger tournaments until uh, until I was able to you know further down the track potentially find someone. So um, you know, I heard that Raven and his partner were. Uh, not going to continue next year, so I sent her a message, and, and we we spoke a fair bit, and and going to give it a crack. Uh, and when does that crack start? First week will be actually in Auckland here. So uh, uh, he's his wife's actually pregnant, having a baby uh, later in December. So he's going to miss the first week in Brisbane. Um, so yeah, the first week together will be uh, here in Auckland. Uh, the nature of doubles, though, um, you know, uh, you can sort of get a combination going reasonably easily. Yeah, I mean, we've played against each other uh, numerous times, so we know each other's games. Uh, we actually did play together years ago when uh, when we were both still playing singles at a, a couple of futures, and we actually won one of them. So we have played together. Uh, it was a while ago on that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think we match up well. We've, we've practiced together a few times and, and get on really well. Uh, so, I mean, all the pieces are there. It's just a matter of kind of... I guess putting the puzzle together, uh, you know, and, and sometimes it all works on paper and and, and doesn't really eventuate uh, playing together. So you don't know until you try these things. So you know, we're we're going to give it a crack and and hopefully things work out. That's Michael Venus talking to Barry Guy, and that brings us to the end of extra time for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, email us at sport at radioNZ.co.nz, or you can follow us too on Twitter at RNZ Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. On behalf of the Extra Time team, bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.